0: Thanks, praise team. Appreciate that very much. Violin, by the way, really good. I was listening to the violin. Excellent job. I liked it. Good job. Okay. Some short person keeps doing this to me. It's driving me nuts. Come on, fine. There. Oh, that's better. We got it. Hey, welcome. Nice to have you here this morning. If if I haven't met you, I'm Doug Bailey, the senior pastor of the church, and uh, it's nice to have you here with us. Hope you're enjoying the more typical Salem weather, rain, and that's, that's nice. It's not too bad. We are just now in the beginning of a series that's going to last a few more weeks called The Generous Life, and it's based on Matthew chapter 10. It's coming out of actually one sentence that uh, our bishop here in this whole area m- mentioned last annual conference, which was June. I mean, there's some things that get in your head and you just can't get away from it. He was talking about the Christian life, and he said, the Christian life is a generous life, and I've been living there since last june knowing that that we would take this the next several weeks kind of take a look at that because i love the way that he put it i'd never really thought about it that way the christian life is a generous life and this is the passage that this whole thing is based on go to the lost confuse people right here in the neighborhood tell them that the kingdom is here bring health to the sick raise the dead touch the untouchables kick out the demons you have been treated generously So live generously. I mean, that's what the Word of God says. The Christian life, to be a Christ follower, that is a generous life. And last week, what we looked at was, you know, why be generous? And of course, this passage really explains it right here. We're generous because God has been generous to us. It is the height of selfishness to receive so many good things from God and to hold them. God is generous with us because of that we are generous with the people around us as well okay and what we're going to do is over the next few weeks we're going to use the word of god to learn how to be generous with these things right here we're going to learn to be generous with our time generous with our money we're going to learn to be generous with our forgiveness generous with our kindness and generous with our grace so this morning we're going to be talking about time now next week You already know what we're going to be talking about. Yes, we're going to be talking about being generous with our money. So if that bothers you, tough. Um, it's, It's part of being a Christ follower. And I'm hoping that next week when you come and we talk about being generous with our money, that you won't see it just as the church grubbing for more money, because I'm going to tell you, give. And if it's at a different church or a different ministry, I can live with that, but give and that'll be next week. So um, we won't get into that too much until next week. There we go. Okay. But before we get into talking about how generous we are with our time, we need to understand the difference between these two words right here, deism versus theism. Aren't you glad you came to church today to learn the difference there? You're going to walk away going, "Whoa, it wasn't much of a sermon, but we did learn deism versus theism. There's lots of isms out there. Okay. Atheism is the belief that there is no God. There doesn't exist, okay? That's atheism. Atheism theism a means without in the Greek, theism, God, without God, okay? Now, if you believe, however, that there actually is a God, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most people here believe that, and some of you may be kind of exploring, and that's fine. You're welcome here. It's wonderful to have you here, as a matter of fact. But then you have to ask yourself, okay, what kind of God exists? And while there's lots of different descriptions out there you're going to come up with two main camps for most of the, the theologies out there most of the beliefs of God and they're going to be either a deistic deism or theistic theism okay first of all is this: deism is the belief in a creator God who does not get involved okay this is a, this is a belief that God acts more like a uh, a clockmaker is the way that they describe it. You know, someone who makes a clock and he winds the clock and he steps back and says, okay, clock, work. This is called deism. It used to be a very, very popular idea. It's still out there today. There are still people today that that would say there's no reason, there's no miracles, there's no reason for, for prayer. God has set us here, we're on our own. He's given us a moral philosophy, we need to follow it. It was very, very popular around the time our country was created. Many of the founding fathers if they weren't fully deistic, they were influenced by deism. For instance, Thomas Jefferson. You know, he came up with his own Bible. It's called the Jefferson Bible. Now, it's not that he wrote anything. What he did is he took out the things he didn't believe in. So he took out all of the miracles of Jesus. They're not in his Bible. And he took out the resurrection of Jesus. The Thomas Jefferson Bible ends when they put Jesus in the tomb and the disciples walk away and that's the end. Because Thomas Jefferson believed in God. But he didn't believe in a God who gets involved. And he didn't believe in a God who's going to give us his time and concern. He believed in a God who created and then left us. And then it was up to humanity to use the God-given talents that we, were, that, that we have to create and to govern and to run and to rule, but God wouldn't get involved. There's a line in the uh, in the movie Gandhi. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Gandhi, great movie. <clears throat> Gandhi is is this is when he's very young in his life and he's walking through South Africa at the time. And South Africa, of course, around 1900 was very, very, very uh, bigoted and uh, a lot of discrimination and separation of the races. And he is walking with a friend of his who's also white. I mean, his friend is white. He's an Anglican priest. And he, Gandhi, who's this short little Indian guy and this, uh, this Anglican priest are walking down together on the sidewalk in South Africa and they come across two bullies, two bigoted bullies who would not get out of the way of the sidewalk. And this one looks at Gandhi and says, get out of the road, coolie." Now, Just before that happened, Gandhi had a little conversation with his Anglican friend priest who saw that this was going to happen, and and the Anglican said, maybe we should go a different way, and Gandhi said, no, we're going, so they went, and they were confronted, and this guy just calls him this name, and tells him, but miraculously, somehow, these two bullies get called away, they have to go do. they have to actually go to work, one of their mothers, looks over the balcony and says, are you still down there? Aren't you supposed to be at work? And they have to leave to go to work. And the Anglican priest looks at Gandhi and says, oh, that was lucky. And Gandhi says, I don't know if it was luck. Doesn't your Bible tell us that we should pray and trust God? And the Anglican priest says this. He says, that's true, but I'm not so egotistical as to believe that God plans his day around my schedule. It's interesting. It was the Anglican priest who said, Yeah, but God's not going to get involved in my daily life. God doesn't do that. That Anglican priest, while believing in Jesus Christ, and all, had some deistic leanings. God does not get involved. Now that's deism. Okay, so what is theism? Well, here we go. Theism is the belief in a creator God who is generous with his time. That's it. Theism is the belief in a creator God, just like deism, except he is generous with his time. God gets involved. God gives us his time and attention. He works with creation. He works with humanity This is what scripture says. This is Isaiah chapter 43. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. Now here it is. Here's theism right here. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God. You could even scratch it out and say theistic God. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. He's talking to Israel now, this Old Testament. All of Egypt, with rich Cush and Sheba thrown in. God looked at his people and said, Look, I am involved in your life. I know you by name. And I'm right there. And when you go through the difficult times, I will be there with you. And I promise you that there will be nothing that will come into your life that between the two of us, we cannot handle. We will be able to deal with it. We can handle it all. I will be generous with my time just for you. This is a creator God who gets involved. Now, this was written before the time of Jesus, by the way. But if he was going to write it today to us, to the church, this is what he would say. It would look like this. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. My son, Jesus, I want to be with you so much. I want to give you so much of my time, which wasn't possible because of the sin that was between the two of us. Your sin put up a barrier between us, and there was no way for me to work through that. And I wanted to. I wanted to be with you so much that I gave my son, Jesus, just to take down that barrier so that I... be with you through everything that happens not just watching which you could always do not just being beside but actually in a relationship with us because of jesus christ that is theism we believe in a theistic christianity a god who gets involved our Father is generous with his time, and guess what he asks his people to do, therefore? Be generous with our time. Sure, of course, because we're to be like him. We know that. We've already talked about that one. He asks us to do the same. See, we're in the business of kingdom building. I don't know if you realize that, thats you're not just a consumer of all the great things that God gives. None of us are. I mean, we, we receive wonderful things from God, but we're not the end result here. You know, we are consumers of so many things in this world. And usually when we're done with them, sometimes we, we sell them and give them to other people. A lot of times when we're done with them, we just throw them in the trash. Sometimes we don't do anything with them. We take them, we get a storage shed, we put them there, and they stay there for the next 30 years. Okay? It's not supposed to be that way with the things God gives us. Okay? We are supposed to be generous. We, we, like we talked last week, we're not a lake that flows in and that's where we stay. We're a riverbed that flows through us. God gives us, but then we give as well. And we give of our time. We are actually in the business of kingdom building. That's our job. That's what every single one of us is doing. We are building the kingdom of God. We are calling people out of darkness into the light and into the love of Jesus Christ, into the light and into the love of a relationship with a a father who wants to be generous through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we are all to be doing. If you are a Christ follower, you are a kingdom builder. Okay, It goes hand in hand. You can't be a Christ follower and say, but I'm not building the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. You have to be a kingdom builder because that's the call. Now, some of us are paid full time. Yeah, That's true. There are some people that do this full time and some of you then also, many of you actually have other jobs you go do. And, and um, But I want to tell you something. If it's just left up to the full time people, the, what we call the professionals, the pastors, The kingdom won't be built because I want you to understand this right here. Ready? This is really important. Most of the work of the kingdom is done by ordinary people who are willing to be generous with their time. If you leave all the ministries and all the outreach and all the kingdom building to the few of us who are paid, Matt, you're paid. Put your hand up right there. I am paid. Caleb, are you around here someplace? Caleb's part-time and He's paid. Rachel, you've seen, she's paid. Daryl, we appreciate you being paid because Daryl cleans our building for us, and that's important. Gene, our senior adult pastor, gets some money. Our worship leader, we pay him a little bit. If you leave the kingdom building up to those, the kingdom won't be built. It's it's way too big of a task. Plus, Our job isn't even to build a kingdom like that. I want you to understand that that when we're set aside for ministry, our ministry isn't to build a kingdom like that out there. That's your job. Our job is to help you do your job. Okay. My job as a pastor isn't to build a kingdom. My job is to help you do your job. Which is to build a kingdom. Hey, you want me to prove that to you? Just so you' the pastor trying to get out of work, you know? <laughs> we pay him all this money. And I want to show you. Ready? here we go. It's pretty clear from the book of Ephesians, talking about Jesus Christ and the gifting that he does, it says, "It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors teachers. I'm a pastor teacher. That's part of my gifting. An apostle is one that is like a missionary who goes out and spreads the word in, in places that have never heard the word. And the prophets and the the major teachers and the evangelists, we have bishops and that sort of thing that are over us all, but I am a pastor-teacher, that's my call. But here's why he did that. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the full... Oh, there it is, guys. You want the pastor's job description? My job is to help you do your job. That's why I'm here. I do that through teaching. Now, I do that through administrating the church because if the church administrates well and things are running smoothly, then that gives places and it gives ministries for people to go out and do their job. I do that through teaching. I've done that because of the schooling that I've had that has been a great privilege to be able to come back and share that with you. That's what we do: to encourage, to call, to train, to send out. To, to um, we don't like to micromanage. Sometimes we micromanage too much. Sometimes we need to be a little more involved. What we try to do is, is say, "Here's a ministry. What do you need? We'll help you," and, and kind of take our hands off because we trust that you're going to be able to do it, and we trust that you're going to make some mistakes. But that comes with the territory, doesn't it? It's all right. Part of our job sometimes is to walk around with a broom and a dustpan and say, "Okay, well." We can fix that one. Now get up and do it again. We don't want to take the ministry from you. We want you to do your job, building the kingdom of God. Most of the work of the kingdom is done by ordinary people who are willing to be generous with their time. We're not here to do it for you. We're here to help you do it. And if you can be generous with your time, the kingdom of God is built. See, there's something about the Christian life you need to know. Sometimes I think we make the Christian life all about what you believe. But it's not true. Look at this. The Christian life is a life of action. And that takes what? Time. You can believe lots of stuff. It won't take any time at all. You can just sit around and believe it. But the Christian life isn't just a, a life of belief. It's a life of action. It's what we do based on what we believe. We are not saved by what we do. We understand that. But if we truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we believe in that relationship with our Father through him, if we believe that we have received the grace and mercy and forgiveness of our Father to wipe the slate clean and the power of the Spirit to do our job, if we believe that, then it leads to an action. And if it doesn't lead to an action, you really don't believe it because it can't work that way. If you really, really, truly believed you were having a heart attack at this moment, you would do something about it. If you don't do anything about it, it's because you say, well, I don't really know if it's a heart attack, I'll just wait. But if you believed it, if you said, I'm having a heart attack, you'd do something, wouldn't you? Because our actions are always based on our beliefs. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe in salvation? Do you believe that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that you're called to that holy life? Do you believe that you're called to be a disciple? Then it's going to lead to an action. Take a look at this passage. Because there are times that people whittle down the Christian life into a belief system. You know, Well, are you a Christian? I believe these right things and therefore I am a Christian. And they leave it there. Now, that's important to understand because, of course, sometimes people try to earn their way to heaven, that I'm going to be good enough and that will get me heaven. Well, that you can't do. We always start with belief, trusting in the Lord. But what happened in the early church is people were going, hey, I believe and I trust. That's it. I don't have to do anything. I'm all done. And the apostles all back, no, 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 you're missing it here. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, How does the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with, read that with me, actions and in truth. One more time. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. If you believe, you will act. And if you don't act, you really don't believe. The Christian life is a life of action, and guess what that takes? Time. Sorry, guys, there's no way to act without time. It's just going to take time. We're going to have to learn to be generous with our time. So let's get practical for a little while here in the time that's left with so us. Let's talk about how are we generous. We already know how God is generous with his time for us. I mean, he's given us all exactly the same amount of time, rich or poor, you get 24 hours. That's the way it works, all right? He's given us himself equally to all people. He's given us his time, so we know how he's generous. Let's talk about how we can be generous. First of all, let's learn less. Let's learn how to be generous with time for my family. Let's start right there. This is the starting point for all we do, by the way. Christianity begins at home. Sometimes we have a kind of a backwards philosophy. Um, I've seen it more than seen that I've done it still prone to do it and i have to from time to time get my priorities straightened out and my father has given me the holy spirit to be able to do that my father's given me a wonderful wife who the holy spirit speaks through from time to time to get me to do it but what happens is sometimes we give our very very best to everybody out there best to work best to church Best out in the world. We put on our best face. We give our best language. We give our best face. We give our kindness and our mercy and our grace. That's where we give our best. What means when we come home, guess what we've got? Nothing. And that's what we give everybody there. We're tired. So we speak to them in ways we would never speak to them at work. We get fired if we did that. But it's okay at home. We give other places our best, and we give the families the leftovers. The one place that is filled with the people who have a stronger commitment to you than anybody else, because trust me, at work, one day, they're going to use you up. As soon as they've gotten everything out of you they can possibly squeeze, they're going to say, see ya, and they're going to replace you like that with someone else that they will use up until they got nothing more to give, and then they'll replace them just like that. And you'll go home to your family, and your family has made a commitment to you. Your spouse has made a commitment for the rest of your life. When I do premarital counseling, we talk to the couples about this and say, you know, I want you to remember that the commitment that your spouse is making to you is the most important commitment. You need to honor that because while your work is important, When you're 80 and 85 and you need somebody to help you change your depends, you can probably call your old boss, but don't expect much help. Maybe we should put that in the marriage vows. What do you think, man? (laughs) To honor, love, trust, and help you change your depends when you're 85. We would probably do fewer weddings, but probably the weddings that came out might be a little stronger because that's what we're talking about. Your family has made that commitment. The huge mistake that I've seen in family after family is they turn the family into a battleground. The one place you should be able to come and escape from that. You should be able to come and be loved and be cared for. And it means you give your best to them and to one another. And that includes your time. This is what scripture says. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, he's actually talking initially about money, because he's talking about people who give tons of money, but they don't really don't care, take care of their own families. He said, you know, it starts at home. But the principle here is still exactly the same. Christianity starts at home. That is where we give our absolute best to one another. That includes everything we're going to be talking about the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and the kindness. But it starts with time. You've heard charity begins at home. Well, guess what? Christianity begins at home. I've talked with so many people who've been wounded because their parents were involved in so many things, including church. I've talked with people who were so hurt. Because their parents always had time for the church. But they didn't have time for the kids. And I appreciate your commitment to the church. But you're wrong. (laughs) Give it to your kids. Plan it out. I, I try to plan out. That we've got date nights that we talk about, and I, we have daddy-daughter days with Chelsea and other. And I try to plan our vacations well in advance because if I don't plan them out, I never take them. I try to work in sufficient time. And I had to learn a long, long time ago that there is never enough time to do everything that can be done. I will go to bed every single night with a long list of things that could have been done that didn't get done, and there's no way around it. We have to be generous with our time, with our family. That's where it starts. But then it moves on, okay? We also need to learn to, to do this, to be generous with time for my church. Now, please don't do this so much that you, that you don't have time for your family, but let's face it, this church operates on you. I mean, I spend 20 hours or more a week just preparing for this thing and administering all this. Do you know everything we do? I think it takes between 30 and 40 people just to do a Sunday morning. And that's kind of a conservative guess. Do you know what's going on right now, what it takes to, to do this? We have the sound people back there. Hello, sound people. Wave at us. we got the words people. we got the, we got the, the camera people in the children's department, a whole group of people. Then, of course, there was the Sunday school and the, everything that's going on. We have ushers that handed things out. We have greeters that are sitting over there. We have greeters at the doors. It's incredible just to do this and this just scratches the surface of everything we do this isn't even the most that we do we do this once a week but the other things that we do the other ministries that we have yesterday we had upward basketball here we had over 800 people come through how many people it took just to do that then then we have the young adult group that's now beginning to meet The, the group that's what is it between 18 and 40 is that what it is which means i it ha- means I haven't been a young adult since about Clinton's first term. That really doesn't work for me, I have to tell you. But that's life. Anyway, that takes volunteers. There it takes people who are, who are willing to come up for our after-school programs and all the other ministries that we have. It's an incredible amount. I'm just looking up here. Here's Vance Boyle. Hi, Vance. Wave at us. Vance stands out there a lot. Simply, He doesn't like it in here. No. Let me tell you why Vance doesn't. Vance is always on call Sunday mornings for his job. So he has to stand out there and he's got a little pager and sometimes the state of Oregon calls him and says, hey, we need you, and he's gone. That's why it's difficult for Vance to, uh, to make a commitment here on a Sunday. But Vance, because of Vance, he's leading our upward ministry, but also because of Vance, we have our, uh, our annual church camp out, which he does for us, otherwise it wouldn't get done. Now let's talk about another family. We have one family in the church, all they do every week is they just come and they clean the conference room every week they run the dishes to the dishwasher they wipe everything down they vacuum it's an incredible every single week and the dad of that particular family will then take his time and walk around the the facility outside and spray some weeds and maybe mow the lawns every single week you don't even know who it is do you but they do it every week we have people every week that go out and they do the shopping just for things for our ministries on our Sunday morning. And they come in here and they stock the refrigerator, and then the other people who will show up here early on Sunday just to set it all out so that people have a place for breakfast because for some, this is the only breakfast they're going to get on a Sunday morning. Carrie, how many people do you have that volunteer on, on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays? About eight. You know, Karen, I, I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something else just going to, but you can handle it. Come on up. I know. Come on up. Because the reason I want Carrie to come up is because she's not on staff here at the church, although she puts in sometimes as much time as any of the staff right here. But she's also involved in what's called the Salem Leadership Foundation. And not only that, we have uh, Caleb Caleb is also involved in that as well. Mm -hmm. And much of what they're talking about is ministries that depend upon people who volunteer and you're, you're involved in many other ministries here, talk for just a moment about the people who volunteer, the importance of people who are willing to commit their <laughs> time, both to the church and to the community, because we're going to talk about that next, okay?
1: Well, I guess when you look at our community, um, it's extremely diverse, and that is such a wonderful blessing for all of us, and I think when I look back at 10 years of doing after school and um, all of the people that have um, you know come forward to to help us with that program and reach out to our neighbors and um, the fact that it's been intergenerational so we start um, with kids in you know four years old and now we've seen them through high school I mean it's it's really amazing and it's so rewarding to see that regardless of Maybe a language difference um, there's no difference in heart and um, mm-hmm. to to have this amazing building with mm-hmm. with our church family in this neighborhood um, to be that beacon and bring the community together mm-hmm. because we are one church we are one community Amen. and um, they love us <laughs> and I don't know if m- any of you realize that There are many, many buildings, and um, not only churches, but community buildings throughout Salem-Kaiser. And um, considering stats and um, the northeast area and the percentage of children that are on free and reduced lunch, and I don't know if you're aware, but like McKay High School, 80% of the children that attend that school Qualify for free or reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's issues of poverty, there's mm-hmm. issues of crime, mm-hmm. um, high density living, but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it it really is truly about a community coming together to love each other regardless mm-hmm. of our differences, and um, grow together um, to to keep Salem Kaiser this amazing city of shalom, which is city of peace, means, and um, there's that's not an accident. I don't think that that Salem was um, given that name. Um, Up until, I do believe it was 1985, our Constitution mandated that all of the state institutions of of what they referred to as pain would be in this community. So, all of the prisons, all of the um, mental hospitals, Mm -hmm. the School of the Deaf, the School of the Blind, all of those fragile people and their families um, were basically mandated if they needed those services or were incarcerated to live in this community. So um, God is here in a big way, and That's it right. takes all of us um, mm-hmm. to go out there and, and truly love our neighbors as ourselves. Right. Um, I was thinking, I was sitting behind Luann there and Kathy, and I was I don't think that they always realize that how their amazing commitment to serve um, our church is, is realized by others. But they're great models for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, they're committed to ministry regardless of their situation. They're, um, and I mean health, um, family obligations. Um, if you've ever had a chance to work side by side by either one of these ladies, you would be humbled by the gifts that they so freely and generously give, mm-hmm. and we're blessed by a lot of folks who um, have that heart. And it doesn't matter how I, I want to say some people are a little bit more high profile sometimes, and <laughs> in a way, just because yeah. maybe they're more outgoing or or what they're doing in others' eyes seems a little bigger, but that's that's not how it is. Um, I, I think that, that, that every gift you give to another, God is celebrating, and we should Amen. all celebrate that together. So Great. Um, I'm well blessed done. to be a part of this. Well
0: done. Thank you, Carrie, so much. We appreciate yeah. that. And these individuals, we're not talking about Go ahead. This is one of what she's doing. <clears throat> we're not talking about people that necessarily are involved in teaching all this. Bonnie Good, where are you? On Tuesdays, you, you help out after school. What do you do for them? Cook a meal. Cook a meal. And sometimes we're in competition for the, with the ovens over men's steak night when it's once a month, but that's what she does. Okay? She comes. She does. She puts the baked potatoes <laughs> in, but that's because you're using my ovens. There you go. Sure. This is what happens. This is what scripture says. Okay. Um, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, especially ministry right here within our church that we use to touch all these people. I need you, before this day is done, if, you're, if you have the courage to do this, you take that bulletin that you've got. Some of you have already filled in that tear-off sheet. Some of you have not. Most of you have not. Look at that tear-off sheet, because when we come to Selah, I'm going to be asking for you to say, where... Do you want us to use you? Do you need training in an area? We'll give you the training. Is there some place that maybe you would like to be involved? And let us know. To be generous with your time here. But as Carrie's already talked about, it's not just that. We have to be generous with our time with our community. Okay? With our community. This is what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's from Matthew chapter 5. Sometimes we are so busy committing to our church that we don't have time to shine in our communities, and we're actually using our church like a bowl that covers the light. The people who need to see the light mostly live out there. How do we commit to that? How are we generous with our time in our community? Now, Carrie, again, has tons of ideas. Caleb, you probably have tons of ideas. Some way to be generous with our time in our community just to show them the love of Jesus Christ. What I do in the community specifically is uh, I'm a member of what's called the CRB, Citizen Review Board. And we are appointed by the, uh, the Chief Justice of the State of Oregon. I even have a little certificate from the Chief Justice that appoints me to this particular board. It's kind of fun. And every month, we sit down with DHS, and there are several boards here in, uh, in Marion County. We sit down with DJS and we, DHS, and we have several cases, anywhere from four to eight or nine cases, children's, children who are in substitute care, that are assigned to our board. And our job is to take a look at what DHS is doing for them. Are they actually providing for the children what should be provided according to the law? And we've all been trained in that. And then we take a look at the parents and say, are they making the progress that they need to make? Because there's all kinds of federal regulations. Every month, I am sent a packet via email. I just got it the other day. And uh, we'll spend... On my own time, usually a Monday, which is my day off, anywhere from 8 to 12 hours, going over the material, learning every case, developing the questions. Then I will meet on a Tuesday, usually the third Tuesday of the month, down at currently at the juvenile court hearing, our courthouse, and I sit down, and the parents come in, and the, the, the worker comes in, and the lawyers all come in, and there's about four of us on the board, and we start asking questions to make sure that DHS is providing for the children, what they're supposed to provide. And if they're not, we send a little note to the judge. We find them out of compliance and we send a note to the judge that said, you know what, DHS dropped the ball right here. Now, that's right up my alley, guys. I mean, to analyze this stuff, but to be able to give to the community and meet these people, I love to do that. I've been doing it for years. It's one of the ways that the Lord has provided. How is it? That you're in your community, the schools would just love to have you come read to the kids, wouldn't they? Candy Good is nodding her head. Wouldn't it be great just to have somebody come in? What? The upper, the upper grades. That's interesting. Great. Wow. And just to go and read, listen, incredible volunteer. There's so many places. To be a light in your community, but somehow, some way, we have to be generous with our time. And there's one final thing here. We need to be uh, generous with our time for the lost and needy, most of all, because really, that's the passage that we're looking at, isn't it? Go to the lost, confuse people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously. So live generously. Now, I know this can be messy. I know. But our Father is so generous with His time for us. And it can be so uncomfortable because sometimes the hurting and the lost, it's, it's tough. But it's our call. It's... Uh, It's what our fathers asked us to do. He wants to touch all of those lost and needy and hurting people, but he does it through us. If we're willing to be generous with our time. There are so many programs here at the church, so many programs in the community, other places where you can be involved, the family building blocks and other places here in town that really work with people who are struggling. And we're not saying... You have to give 40 hours a week. We're saying be generous. And isn't it interesting our father never ever defined what generous is as far as a specific number of hours? For some of you, generous is a half hour a week because of other things you're doing. That would be generous. Others of us could spare a little bit more. But I want to give you one word of warning just as we get ready to close. And here it is. Being generous with my time will interrupt my plans and my schedule. Deal with it, guys. Some of us really love our plans and schedule, and I have a plan and a schedule. That's the way I live my life. It's pretty segmented because that's the way I think. And I have my routines, and I love my routines, and I don't like to get out of my routine. And then comes along a situation, an opportunity, and my whole plan and schedule is blown to pieces. I'll give you an example. Jesus told a story one time about two people who were unwilling to have their plans blown out, and one who was. We call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus talked about a man who was traveling between Jericho and Jerusalem, and he uh, falls in with robbers and thieves and they beat him and they rob him and they, they leave him bloody by the side of the road and here comes a priest walking down the road who doesn't have time and he goes another way. And then came a Levite who didn't have time and he walked on the other side of the road and then suddenly a Samaritan which to the Jews of the day would have been how to put this they would have been shocked because they held samaritans in such low esteem a samaritan shows up and you know what he gives that man the most precious gift that he's got time he binds his wounds takes him to an inn and then it says the next day so in other words He spent the night there. It took him almost 24 hours out of his schedule just to take care of this person. And then he says, by the way, here's some money to cover the cost to the innkeeper and if it's anything more when I come through because obviously he travels a lot, I'll take care of it. Two men who had no time and one man who did. So, where are you? You can look at your life and go, you know what? I feel good. I feel good about how I'm living my time and I'm generous with my time, and there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to walk out of here going, you know, you've got a double or triple. We're going to give you time in just a moment. We're going to ask Caleb to come up and lead our sailor time, and uh, here's the question that I have for you. It's very simple. As the Spirit has been speaking to your heart, as you're looking at the time, time for your family, time for the church, time for the community, time for the lost and, the, and are you willing to, to set aside your schedule is there some place that the spirit has said you know what you need to rearrange a few things because we need a little more time right here and I need you if indeed the spirit is, is speaking to you this morning to take out that tearaway away sheet and say pastor here's where I'd love to spend my time in the church call me And if you don't have training, we'll get you training. It's our job, remember? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We appreciate your time to us. And because you give us of your time, Father, we want to be giving of our time as well. So, Father, now as as we just spend a few moments thinking and reflecting about what you have to say to us, Father, through your Spirit, speak to our hearts. Is there some of these four areas, somewhere in there, that we really need to make an adjustment And give us the courage and the wisdom to do so. Amen.